Hi, folks. Steve Urban here, founder and CEO at recruiting firm RiderFlex. If you enjoyed today's guest interview, please give it a like and be sure to subscribe to the RiderFlex podcast. And now, a quick word from our sponsor. Try the number one marketing platform for small business. Everything you need from design to marketing to CRM. Learn more at marketing360.com. Marketing 360, fuel your brand. Anna, where are you today? What, what, what city are you in? Are you in New York? And if you are in New York, what, what part of town? What, where are you? I am in New York. I'm in New York. I'm in meatpacking. We actually just moved into a new office that we're sharing with uh, another startup. Uh, and this is day, I think, three in the new office, uh, which is oh. why I have this amazing background with guitars and everything on the wall for those who are uh, watching. Uh, so, yeah, it's a good part of New York to be. It's very buzzing. And the guitars, what's up with that? Did you play? Actually, no, but uh, it, it's funny that we did actually kind of came together to the same office with another audio uh, startup. So they're called Musician. They are actually um, an app that helps you, you know, learn to play different instruments. And so the guitars are theirs. I do not know oh, how to play, cool. unfortunately. <laughs> oh, but, but, it's, but it's a cool backdrop, right? I mean, it's a very that, cool right? backdrop. Yeah. And, you know, we're in audio, so, you know, it makes sense. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Well, before we get into business, tell me about Anna, the person. I want to know uh, family, mom, dad, history, siblings, where you grew up. G give me the give me the personal story. Yeah, so I have a, a probably a, a very kind of different background from a lot of the people um, here. So I grew up in a country that you know many you know see as one of the best countries in the world to grow up and to live and the happiest nation and all that, which is Finland. Uh, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I think that actually growing up in Finland probably played a very big role in who I became as a person and the opportunities that I saw later on in life, right? Because, you know, I grew up when I was a, as a kid, Finland had a female president, right? For 12 years, I saw women leading the country, right? And, you know, Finland is a very equal country. So, that kind of equal opportunity thinking was always a part of my growing up and I think played a very big role in, in, in me sort of wanting to achieve great things in life. Uh, but other than that, I really, I mean, I come from like a very sort of normal family. My mom's a teacher. Uh, my dad is a, a sea captain. Um, and, oh, oh, really? Uh, oh. Yes. Oh, <laughs> He's a sea you captain. Mean like, a, like a fisherman for or ships. for like tour? Oh. No, for like big, for cargo ships. Uh, for cargo well, ships, I see. He okay. did that when I was a kid and, and growing up, and um, and when I turned, you know, six or seven, he he stopped because obviously he was away a lot. So I did not not see him a lot when I was a kid growing up, and um, and you know, he would he would sail for like three months, four months, six months, and then mm -hmm. he spent you know one or two months at home. So. I don't really remember spending a lot of time with him when I was a kid, uh, but you know, my mom's around and, 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 you know, my, my, my grandmother and um, I have a younger uh, brother. Um, and so other than that, we're really kind of like a, a, a normal family. And then, you know, when, when my dad stopped um, sailing, he, you know, he got an office job that had to do with ships, um, but he was sort of more at home and we would see him every day and, and all that. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, we were very kind of like mid-class middle-class family, um, maybe even low, lower middle-class in a way. And um, anyway, I think for, for me and for, um, for my brother, kind of this whole notion of like hard work, education and hard work was something that was very instilled in us uh, because we didn't have a lot of connections or we didn't have, uh, you know, 
tons of money, you know, my parents always said, well, you're going to go and get yourself a good education, get yourself a good job and you can do anything. Right. So that was sort of the whole thought process, um, which is why I always knew from a very young age, I wanted to go, you know, get myself a university education. And in Finland, obviously it is all free. So you can actually go do that. Uh, nice. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so I grew up kind of with that thought process. Now, of course, looking back at my childhood and my kind of teenage years, I could see a lot of entrepreneurial tendencies that I did have. Really? But nobody talked about entrepreneurship back then, right? So it wasn't a thing. Nobody said, oh, maybe you're going to be an entrepreneur. They said, like, oh, you're going to be, you know, a boss or you're going to be, a, you know, whatever. You can be a CEO. You can be a president. But nobody said you can be an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you uh were you, what kind of kid were you were you a straight a student were you rebel were you you know yeah tell me about it i was a very good at school i was actually very good and i i think part of that was because i've always been very driven i've always I, i've always had this winner mentality uh, i'm a leo uh but you know oh. someone, you know uh, you know, but it's a horoscope, but, but, but I mean, there is some truth to that, right? Like I've always kind of been the leader of the pack. And so I've always been very competitive, driven. Um, I wanted to be the best. And that also obviously carried over to, I wanted to be the best at school. I wasn't a straight A, but like pretty close to straight A student, but it pretty wasn't hard for me. I, I was, I was, I was pretty good. I had a good memory. I was good at languages, good at writing, not great at math, but I, but I tried. That was kind of one of the not straight A's. Um, but other than that, I mean, I, you know, it wasn't very hard for me. And I think a lot of the, you know, my friends around were kind of a little bit jealous because it was easy for me to get good grades. Um, but, but yeah, I also kind of expected a lot from myself, but, um, but, but it did come relatively easy. So I'm grateful for kind of the natural gifts that I had. Did you have your teacher or have your mom as a teacher? Did you have her in one of your classes? No, no, she was teaching actually Russian language. So, um, I oh, oh. no, uh, so okay, so so no, okay. but 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 obviously, you know, at at home, I mean, it was it was because she's a teacher. Obviously, you know, there was a lot of emphasis on like you know doing your homework and things like that. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, but I mean, and your brother, brother was he? Was, oh, yeah, he was, was your brother a rebel? Oh, oh, oh wow. he was. Oh, yeah, yeah, because he's younger. He's a five and a half years younger, and he did. He did not love school. He was not great at it. He hated it. He like did everything but. And so, yeah, he was the rebel one. But you know, as as it always is, when you're a younger sibling, like the parents don't really care that much, right? They kind of they cared so much with me, and I was great, and so I didn't give them a lot of headache. And then with him, it was more like, ah, oh, you know, you'll be fine, type of thing. Uh, <laughs> which I thought was a little uh, bit unfair personally, but <laughs> okay. So you're a pretty good kid. Never gotten any major trouble. Uh, no, actually I did not. I was more of a, I was someone who I loved all sorts of like different projects and initiatives. So from a very young age, I got involved in anything possible from like student unions and student okay. boards and, and all sorts of like youth councils and youth organizations. And I wanted to be on the board of everything or a president of everything. And I was kind of one of those kids, probably to some maybe annoyingly so, right? Like you look at someone, you're like, oh, she's probably going to be, you know. And and I actually wanted to, you know, growing up, like when I when I was maybe my teenage years and then sort of high school started figuring out what I wanted to do in life, I actually did want to be one of two things. Either I wanted to be 
um, sort of like C-level executive at okay. like a big corporate, right? Like a CMO of Nike was like one of the kind of very concrete things. It's like, I'd be great. I'd love to have an international career with a very cool brand. Love it. Or a politician. <laughs> and um, and I later on really? went actually to, um, to be, I, I was elected to my city council when I was 23 back in Finland. Uh, wow. And then you, let me guess, you had a taste of that and you're like, no, I don't want to be in politics. <laughs> actually, no, I... I Interestingly, I would have, but then I moved away from Finland. I graduated, I did my master's, and moved abroad. And that's kind of where, you know, that's I true. was like, well, I had to choose. I had I stayed in Finland, I would have run for parliament for sure. Do you but speak, uh, I'm assuming you speak English, Swedish. Do you speak Russian? I do speak Russian and I do speak German. Wow. Four languages. That's pretty good. Pretty impressive. Five. 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 Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Hang on. Okay. What, what, are, what are we covering? Finish English, Russian, German. Yes. Very cool. Um, Let me ask you, before I get into your first move, you know, since you grew up right next to Russia, I got to ask you your opinion on this this deal. Is it, is that, um, are your mom and dad still alive? Are they still in Finland? Well, actually, they are in uh, uh, Spain. Uh, so they, when they retired, they they they, they moved to Spain uh, and uh, and kind of have been there for for a few years now. So no longer in oh, Finland. Um, and well, maybe here's a, a good chance for me to to also share a little bit more. So so my dad's Finnish. My mom's actually Russian. Your mom's um, Russian. So, wow, this yes. is oh, this is gonna be interesting. Yeah, be interesting. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, since since we are on the topic, yeah. So this that's why I I grew up bilingual. Um, so to speak, you finish Russian and then finish, obviously, because you're surrounded by, you know, your friends are finished, you go to school and Finland, everything, you know, it became quite quickly, became the primary kind of number one language. Uh, but I still speak Russian pretty well, I would say. Is your, is your dad originally from Spain? And no, he's Finnish. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. So how do your parents feel? How do you and your parents feel about that? Uh, the current situation? I mean, do people in Finland... Do they like all hate Putin and Russia or is it like split or do they support what what's the vibe over there? Just curious. Yeah, I mean listen, Finland and, and Russia has always had a very interesting relationship. I don't think there's ever really been I don't know if you can call it friendship. It's maybe more like tolerance, right? Uh, (laughs) Because of the past, and obviously, you know, Finland used to be a part of Russia, and that's who we got our independence from in 1917. And so from then onwards, there's kind of been a little bit of, uh, you know, sometimes more, sometimes sometimes less tensions, right? And so there's this kind of tolerance, right? And I think Mm -hmm. at some point, you know, when Russia kind of started developing and in the very early ages when Putin got to power, right? Uh, you know, it, it seemed like things in Russia were improving and people, you know, even in Finland were looking at Russia saying, oh, you know what, maybe it's great. Maybe they're actually moving towards, you know, true democracy mm-hmm. and kind of th- turning things around. So, you know, there were a lot, a lot of obviously Finnish tourists going to Russia, Finnish businesses and so on. Now, lately, not just this year, but 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 rec- in recent years in general, looking at how things have developed unfortunately i think a lot of people have seen that uh, maybe there's uh, not as much hope as we as as we thought originally uh in, in them kind of moving towards you know more democracy and so on and you know people in finland have always thought about you know there's been a lot of discussions about joining nato before it's always been very split in finland there are people that oh, really like we should have done that a long time ago and some felt you know, no need to kind of awaken the sleeping bear. Um, But now majority of Finns are 
for joining NATO across the board, across the political parties, which has been very interesting to see. Everybody's very united right now that now is uh, the right time to do that. So it's, uh, it's interesting. How, do, it's, how, 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 does, how do the people in Finland, generally speaking, how do they feel about us Americans? Do they, what do they do? They think we're just a bunch of cocky cowboys and like we, we own the planet or how, what, what's that? <laughs> I mean, honestly, they don't really, they don't really think about you guys too much, right? I mean, to, 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 to be fair, right? Um, but uh, I think that the culture, the American culture is something I think that is very, it's it's so different from, from Finnish, right? I, I think, you know, Finland people are very, you know, they're, they're, they're more introverted, they're a little bit more reserved, they don't, you know, they're very kind of honest you don't like story tell and uh, you don't do small talk you don't really talk too much to people you don't know and in america it's like like the opposite everybody has a story and you and you share it and you talk to people and you do small talk and Finns oftentimes say, oh, Americans, they're just like, you know, very, uh, you know, they're always seem to be happy, but like, are they truly like they're smiling, but are they truly happy? And and so there's a lot of, you know, um, uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, there, there's, uh, and I think obviously kind of in, in the recent years, again, what's happened in the political arena here that, um, that certainly has started a lot of conversations in Finland as well. Uh, <laughs> unfortunately, maybe maybe a, a stereotyping Americans in a certain way, but uh, um, but yeah. Is isn't Finland ranked? I don't know what the what the numbers are on this, but isn't it ranked as one of the best places to live? Like the, the overall yeah. happiness, the overall happiness ranking factor, or whatever. I don't know. Is it is it up yeah. there? Yeah, well, listen, I mean, I think that now was like the second time or third time when Finland has been chosen as the happiest nation in the world. And it's a joke in Finland because we kind of understand that that's based on, you know, you have a good quality of life and all that stuff. But when you look at people, you know, like let's say they're waiting for a bus on like an October afternoon in Finland when it's cold and dark and gray, like nobody's smiling and people are kind of keeping to themselves. And so they're like, who... Who was the one thing that they surveyed who said I'm like the happiest person on the planet? Who is it? Uh, so it's gonna become a little bit of a judge show, show, but that's funny. Uh it's pretty good. I appreciate you sharing. I appreciate you sharing that. Very interesting. So you when you're going to school, you wanted to your goal was to be a leader. Well, you had been a natural leader, sounds like since you were a kid. Since you since you were in junior high, middle school, you were like, okay, guys, we're going this way. Follow me. Sounds like you were one of those, right? Yeah. Um, so you knew you wanted to be a leader in business um, and you had kind of an entrepreneurial spirit, but that wasn't really talked about yet in college necessarily. Does that, that sound right? Okay. Yeah. All right. You get, you get your master's degree and then what happens? How do you, when do you go abroad? When do you move? Talk to me about that. Yeah, so I actually had the first time I actually moved abroad was when I was 19. I was I, I just enrolled in university and I was looking for a summer job, um, in, you know, in, in my home city, in Finland. And uh, I was looking for a, for, for a job in one of these sort of uh, kind of uh, public sector uh, offices in, yeah, in my city. And yeah. they said, well, listen, mm-hmm. and they said, well, listen, we don't have anything, but we have a representation office in Brussels, right? It's like a southeast. Finland representation office to the EU and they're looking for for an intern. Are you interested? I said, sure. I interviewed and two weeks later, I was in Brussels for six months. So I paused my studies for six months. I went to Brussels. The very first time this, I was 19. I was living at home with my you know parents back in Finland. And this was the first time 
that I had like lived abroad and by wow. myself. And I was wow. very much encouraged actually to do that by my parents because I, I, I was going to say no to that opportunity because I was so afraid. I was like, well, I've never lived alone. This is like Brussels. I don't speak French. Like I'm not going to go. And my mom was like, of course you're going to go. Uh, what are you talking about? This is a great opportunity. And we even had like a bit of an argument. I said, why are you pushing me out here? Like, I, you You're know. kicking me out. You're kicking and me said, out. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, yeah, we are. Because you should really go. And you know, they say your parents know you so well, right? I mean, that was very true because I think that they felt, they, they, they saw me, they felt like this was going to be an amazing opportunity for me that would open so many doors and that I would enjoy. And then I went, mm. I kind of jumped in there. I went, I obviously loved it. It was an amazing opportunity to be kind of at oh, the yeah. center of where everything was happening. And, and it was an amazing opportunity to cut to, to also you know, grow up and become, you know, an adult and, and be responsible for yourself and all that. So that was great. I, I came yeah. back after six months, um, then finished my, my, uh, my uh, studies. And uh, just before I finished the studies, I also went to, to Germany to do my exchange studies. I, I majored in international marketing and we have like an exchange period that I had to do. So I went to Stuttgart. Uh, did, you learn to, uh, speak, did you learn how to speak German there or you already knew how to speak? I studied it, right? So, I mean, whether I knew how to speak, I don't know, but I, I theoretically knew it. Uh, so then I went there you know, to prep the, the, the skills as yeah. well, to do the, the studies, came back, literally graduated, and then moved to Berlin. Um, and, and really, I always wanted to have an international career, especially after my experience in Brussels. I sort of I saw how much bigger the world is. And this is also where I started maybe saying, eh, do I want to be a politician in Finland or do I want to go conquer the world? Like, you know, <laughs> like all these thought processes started taking, yeah. uh, shaping, uh, shaping up. And, um, and so, yeah, so, so after graduation, I went to Berlin, moved there and literally started from scratch. I didn't know, uh, you know, I, I, in Finland, I would have had a lot of opportunities just through the networks that I had created. Right. As for all of us, if you grow up somewhere and, you know, you, you study somewhere, you, you have a lot of networks. If you are good and smart and you'll have opportunities, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't find it difficult to find a job. But then you move somewhere in Berlin where you have to, you know, interview in, mm -hmm. in, in German. And, uh, you know, there was a relatively high unemployment rate back then in, in, in Berlin. And, you know, I was a fresh grad with not, not a lot of relevant experience. So I really struggled for a couple of months to, to find a job there and then actually landed a, an internship, some kind of marketing manager internship at a media company there, like a small media company. And oh. they paid 500 euros a month, which is now equivalent to like $500, right? So that was like nothing after taxes, that was even less. Um, and obviously for me, someone who has like a master's in economics and business administration, it was a little bit of a hit to my ego. I'm not going to lie. But at the same time, I figured it's better to do something than to, to, to do nothing at home. Right. So I took it. Absolutely. And, you know, what, I, what I got out of that was just literally, I was able to actually prep my language skills. I was able to, you know, get friends and, and feel like I'm doing something that's not the easy route. A lot of my friends went to work for, you know, IBMs and Microsoft and whatever, because they had internship uh opportunities there while they were students so they kind of continued on that path and i started from scratch and that was kind of you know the first time after graduation i started completely from scratch in a new country and later on i have done that many times over but uh but that was kind of the first time 
Okay. And now walk us through then the progression of your career a little bit. You don't have to necessarily spend, you know, give us the full overview on each thing, but just a little bit of the career and how it kind of travels into what you're doing now, if you don't mind, go for it. Yeah, so I so I spent six months in, in Berlin, and after that, I actually had an opportunity to move to Singapore in Asia. Wow. I've never been to Asia before, and, you know, my then-boyfriend had a chance to go there for six months for work. I said, listen, I'll come as well. I'll take a look. I'll see what opportunities it brings, and, and maybe there's something interesting, you know, career-wise for me, and, you know, we'll see how things go, and if not... We can always come back to to Europe. Yeah, yeah. why not? You so, already hey, you already not you already got checking off countries by, by the list. Check, check, check. Why not go? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's another adventure, yeah. right? And I mean, so I said, yeah, let's go. Went to, to to Singapore, and I do have to say that, like again, they're starting from scratch, new culture, new country, new uh, language, new everything, right? New language. Well, they did speak English. But that's one of the four official languages. <laughs> but then, you know. You still have, you know, people, a lot of people speak Mandarin um, and it's just a whole different world. Right. And again, I went there with no job. So I had to do the whole thing again and go apply with that. Um, so in a few months time, I actually then, you know, I had a job at a media intelligence company. This is really where my professional career for real started. I, you know, got to work in sales, um, really loved it um, and, you know, got to work with uh, tech with uh, software, with companies that were looking to find what how the media is writing about them in the press. So I kind of got a little okay. bit to work with marketing managers, brands, how they perceive their their their, their messaging in, in, in the public and so on. So it was very, very interesting. Great sales school. I did that for three years, uh, ended up becoming a sales manager. I was very good at what I did. But I believe it. You I, have the you you have the energy and personality for it. I believe it. You're just like, hey, I, sign right here. Sign right here. Sign <laughs> on the line. Sign here, and then I'll tell you what to sign up for. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but then, re really during that time, at that time, you know, I really wanted to progress. Obviously, in my career go 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 further. I didn't have an opportunity to do that in in this particular company. This was and at Meltwater Group. Is this Correct. This was at Malcolm. Were you? Yes. Did, did you go to the? Were you going to the CEO saying, "Hey, man, I want to move up. I want to move up. Like, I, I need more." I, I saw the CEO maybe once. Um, oh, we had oh, at that point, I think maybe like almost a thousand employees. So like, he didn't I know who okay. I was. Okay. I was like, okay. Okay. Um, okay. But I didn't want to become a, a managing director, and it just was not a slot available. I kind of got a little tired to just do sales. You're kind of doing, uh, you know, the same thing over and over, and it was hard. Like it was like calling every day have monthly quotas you hit the quotas it's all out there everybody can see if you're doing good or not like it's a lot of pressure and i enjoyed it for a period of time and after that i'm like well now i need something else right new challenges something different more responsibility and it wasn't a, you know available in that company and so that's when i started entertaining thoughts of maybe i'll just leave and maybe i'll just do something of my own because i've, I've kind of had by that time, and you know, again, kind of going back to what I had done throughout my sort of young life, I started to understand that I may have some tendencies, and I, you know, to be to 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 be very entrepreneurial, and I might actually be good at that. I didn't know what I was going to do, so I quit. I I sort of for a year plus, I just 
um, worked as a one-woman show trying to help um, Nordic companies expand to Southeast Asia. And I helped them do sales because that's what I loved. Um, and it wasn't a startup. It wasn't like a real company. It was just me doing that, sending them an invoice for the work done and kind of trying to figure out my next move. Okay, and so let, let's me, pause. Let's yeah. pause right there okay. for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, no, that's a good, so this is a good, because so many people, so many aspiring entrepreneurs, I think this is a good turning point, right? In this case, you're like, okay, I know I want to do my own thing. I don't necessarily have that mapped out yet, but I, I know I can grab some clients, maybe one or two clients and, and make a decent living as a consultant. I'll throw this under an LLC or whatever. I'm not sure I'm ready to build a brand yet. I don't have a brand plan, but I can pay the rent and I can grab a couple of consultants and start to do my own thing and see how this goes. Um, did you have a client? Was your first client in the bag before you quit your job? Or you said you took like a year. Or did it take a year to get your first client or you had one right away? I, I had one relatively quickly. So I okay. quit uh, not having a client. Uh, and it was sort of as a result of a Ooh. conversation that I'd had with someone. on the, And I was like, you know what? Because I had been thinking about that. And then it was like a tipping point happened. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, this, you, this is it. Did you did you have a little nest? Did you have a little nest egg in the bank? Did you have like a little? I got no, this little pile I, I, of I cash. still. <laughs> well, I was still with that same boyfriend back then, so uh, that okay. helped a little bit, right? Like you, you, okay. you know, okay. you know, you have another person who's bringing in some 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 income, so it wasn't as scary. Um, okay, but it was still for someone who's like an achiever and high achiever, right? It was a big and deal super just, independent. And super yes. independent, like depend, depending on the boyfriend's income, you're like, eh, no, I can't, no. Was not, was not appealing <laughs> to me at all, uh, but it was less appealing to stay at the job that I, 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 Understood. I, I, I you know, wasn't motivated by. So I quit and yeah. then obviously was very motivated to get my first client. And I, to be honest, I don't remember, I think it was through just some connections that I built in Singapore <laughs> that I, that I found um, someone and I started saying, Hey, this is what I do. And somebody said, Oh, we got someone who wants to come in here. Do you want to work with them? And so that's how it started. And I got a few more clients just through word of mouth. I didn't do All anything. Right. It was, it was a very right. small scale, right? Figuring, figuring shit out, basically. That's kind of that yeah. period and of this time. was slush. This was slush. No, this was, this this was, was pine cone. not slush. Yes, that, that's what it was, was called. A uh, pine cone. Pine cone. Why'd you call it pine cone? You know what? I I I don't even remember anymore. But it was somehow it had some kind of link to like Finland, because Finland has a lot of like tr trees. What do you call them in English? That have like pines, pine cones, pine, pine trees, pine trees, pine trees. Yeah. Pine trees. Uh, Finland has a lot of pine trees, so that's sort of how it, I how it came about. All right, all right. So you're doing yeah. some consulting, all right? So you're liking it. You got some clients, okay? All right. And yes, then go but ahead. I feel like it's not like big enough, right? I feel like yeah, this is you know me just working and whatnot, right? Uh, but that got me a chance to you know, build some networks and, and get to know a little bit of the Singapore sort of startup ecosystem. And I started realizing that it was very kind of vibrant, starting to boil beneath the surface. But, you know, as an Asian country, it was a very top-down society, right? So there's yes. there's not a lot of kind of grassroots movements or there's not a lot of, hey, do things differently. It's like you want to be a lawyer, a doctor, or a banker. You're doing great in life. If you do something else, you're kind of not, it's not considered, you know, sort of respectful enough for a lot of people, right? But that has started to slowly change. And I could see that, you know, there were like accelerators and co-working spaces popping up. And so I talked to a few people just in my networks and said, hey, 
there's an event, and obviously all the Finns would know this, but there's a, a big event in Finland called Slush. Uh, it's a it's a huge event uh, that originated in Finland, actually, like 10 plus years ago, which was a, a gathering of entrepreneurial minded people. A lot of them were students and okay. entrepreneurs and, you know, techies and just, you know, it's a kind of a very organic gathering. And then it grew into like a 20,000 person event where they had investors flying down from Silicon Valley and Al Gore was opening one of their conference and it was like huge, right? So everybody in Finland and in, in, in Europe, actually, if you're in tech and startup scene, you would know the event very well. Uh, but it's very grassroots driven. It's a not-for-profit driven by a lot of volunteers. And so I started saying, hey, something like such could be great for Singapore. And so then I got connected to the team uh, at Slush in Helsinki and, uh, and we kind of started some conversations that I heard that, uh, you know, certain Singaporean um, sort of government agencies were actually very interested in having an event like that in Singapore I because see. they realized okay. that this is something that was needed. And so I said, you know what? I can do I'll it. Do it. Gonna, I'll do I'll it. I'll do it, right? I'll do it. And we had a lot of back and forth and they were like, what are you doing? Have you ever run an event? I said, no. And they were like, what? what? But I said, listen, this is, we're going to make it happen. We have some good partners already. So let's do this. And from the time they said, okay, to the time we had the first event it was three and a half months. Right. So that was like a hundred and one days. Whoa. It's insane. Knowing uh, what I know now, I would have never done it ever oof, because it was wow, the most wow. hectic period of my life. Um, and you know, plus, plus you're trying, uh, plus you're trying to uh, work a couple of consultants for Pinecone to pay the bills and set up this deal in Singapore for for Slush. Well, I, I dropped everything else. I was like, I'm okay. full on on Slush. Uh, yeah. We're right. doing this, right. um, okay. and it was it was okay. a very very hectic period of time. Not just for me, but also when you start with nothing, you have to go. You have to recruit a team. You have to recruit volunteers. You have to figure out sponsors. I remember some companies started saying, oh, this could start, this could, you know, sound interesting. We want to be a part of it. So send us your billing details. I'm like, oh, we need to open a bank account, right? Oh, we probably need to open an entity. Who's going to be, what? Like all these things. And then so much stress. And I remember for like two months before the event, I did not sleep a single night through. I was waking up with like all those thoughts and anxiety and, and just, it was a, a not just because obviously we were doing something on a very tight schedule, but because it was a very public thing, right? I mean, we had big announcements that Slash is coming to Singapore and we're partnering some Singapore government agencies because obviously there you can't really do anything without partnering with the government. And so you're kind of under a magnifying glass of what is going to come out of all this. Uh, so there was a nice little additional pressure from, from that. Uh, and were they paying you? It wasn't a volunteer position, was it? So nobody paid us a single cent apart from what we could actually uh, gather through ticket sales and sponsorships, right? So nobody mm -hmm. gave me a chunk of money and said, go do this. That would be fun. But <laughs> they said, great. Hey, we are with you and we support you, but we don't have budget to start you know, opening up and, and doing events all over the world. And you're not, so not going to get... You're not going to get payroll every two weeks. If you make any money on this deal, you can take whatever's left at the end. You can take a little bit. That was the deal. Correct. That Ooh. was the deal. And that was the deal that I had to sell to other people who were going to come and help me. I said, hey, we're doing yeah. this. Everybody got excited. I said, here's the thing, though. You're not getting paid unless it's going to be a huge success. And unless we're going to have some leftover money after we pay the vendors and the production company and everybody else. Um, so oh, it was I definitely. Can just, I can just hear this <laughs> 
I could hear the speech. Like, hey guys, look, this is, I, we're doing this thing in Singapore. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be huge. It's going to be a great experience. Listen, I don't know how much money you're going to make. I don't have any idea when I can pay you. I may not be able to pay you anything, but come this way. Let's go. <laughs> That's literally, I think, the the first real entrepreneurial experience because this is how it works, right? And then. And then there were enough crazy people who said, okay, I'm in, let's do this. And I remember we went to like the first, so we, we started kind of spreading the word by going to different smaller little gatherings, events and say, and, you know, talking about, you know, slush and, Hey, do you want to join as a volunteer, be a part of the team? And I remember in the beginning, it was like, how many here has heard about slush? And like one hand goes up and it's like, the percentage <laughs> right. So I'm like, damn. And so you kind of had to start oh, sharing so the story from scratch. Uh, but then by the end, so we ended up doing three events. So the first one was, a big success. We had a lot of great press. Um, and great. we ended up doing three events in consecutive years. And so the third year, you mm -hmm. never had to ask any having heard. So everybody had heard of it. Everybody wanted to be nice. So easy to congratulations. People, so. Congratulations. Great, Thank great. You. Congratulations. <laughs> That's huge. That's huge. I mean, you built a startup basically. I mean, yeah, slush existed, but you built that in Singapore. Okay, great for you. Awesome. Huh? The third year yeah. you actually paid yourself a decent amount of money. You 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 you're now your your boyfriend, your boyfriend's like, thanks a lot. I'm glad you're finally making money now. Stop living off me or what <laughs> <laughs> Well, listen, I don't know. Decent, I wouldn't say it was a decent amount of money, but I would say oh. it was something. Uh okay. it was something. Uh, you know, and so but 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 yeah, you're right. It it wasn't really a it was like a startup but it wasn't really mine right first of all it was i understand a yeah profit and it wasn't really mine and so yeah. by the third year i said you know what this is so, this is obviously a lot of work and i don't mind the work but it's never going to be my thing right Understood. I so yes i'd yes. love to now yes. go and build something of my own because there's no way i'm mm -hmm. going to go back to working for anybody mm -hmm. i'm not going to go back to a corporate forget about that cmo of nike they can find another cmo because i'm not available anymore <laughs> and and so i said i want to build a startup because i'd also been surrounded by so many incredible yes. startups and entrepreneurs you had the bug. Yet, right yeah, you had the virus, you had the bug. Now you got the entrepreneurial bug. It's never going away, especially if you built what you built in slush. You're like, okay, now I, now I have to do my own thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so that's what I decided doing. And I actually joined a program um, uh, by an early stage VC called Antler um, in, in okay. Singapore, where, you know, they gather or like a hundred people from different walks of life that are entrepreneurial, wanting to build businesses. And it was an opportunity to meet a potential co-founder right through like, and okay. experimenting with a bunch of different people and a bunch of different ideas. So I joined the program um, and that's how I'm my co-founder actually. And that's how during that time, my current startup Slope was actually born. And whose idea was, well, who's the co-founder and whose idea was it? Or did you guys, so the, was it together? Was it together? Like you're having beers and you're like, Hey, I got this, I got this idea. Like, tell me about it. No. So, so, so the idea was initially, uh, originally mine. I actually had a whole bunch of different ideas in the media space before. And then okay. listen, I, I love listening to podcasts. I'm not big on audiobooks because they're too long for me. I love the kind of conversational podcasts. And so I'd always listen to some and then, you know, me and my three friends, uh, decided to start a podcast, right? Let's do a side hustle. Let's start a podcast and let's drink wine and talk about business and leadership. Great. We're all, you know, women and we're like, let's do it. And who wouldn't want to 
you know, listen to it. And I said, great. great. So we booked a trip to record the podcast as you do. And I said, hey, let me try to find some sponsors because who wouldn't want to sponsor such great content? And so I went online and I tried to find a platform that would help me find advertisers, just like you do on social media and, and so many other places, right? like a marketplace connect or something. And I couldn't find one. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, well, why does this not exist? And then mm -hmm. I ran into a lot of articles and research about podcasting. And this was, you know, spring 2019 so this was really when podcasting started really becoming oh, yeah. a big boom yes. and spotify yes. made some moves into podcasting and so i read a bunch of things that i got really excited i said how come you can buy anything online with a click these days except a podcast app that's weird right let's build something that makes that possible and so this was the idea that i that that, that i kind of got through through that whole process and i met my co-founder who because I, I have not coded a single line in my life. Uh, I'm not a coder. <laughs> I'm not even. I'm not excited about that. Uh, but I wanted to build a tech company, so I needed someone to build it. And so I met my co-founder, who's now our CTO, and who's actually responsible for building the product that you see out there right now. And the co-founder is. Can you? I'm sure that he's. he's oh, he's, he's. Yes, his name is Malik uh, uh, Ali Mohamedov. Uh, so uh -huh. he is okay. uh, in Belgium. Uh, originally from Uzbekistan uh, and now lives in, in Belgium. Now his uh, LinkedIn profile says he's a mu musician. So are those his guitars on the wall? Oh, uh -huh. I, he wishes that those were his guitars. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, so you find your co-founder at an incubator event, which is not the easiest thing to do. And traditionally, not necessarily safe because you haven't known them that long. They're not like you haven't known them for like 10 years. So you sometimes you're, you are taking somewhat of a gamble, right? Because you're, you're like, well, this person is new in my life. I mean, Malik seems cool, but I don't, I haven't known him for years. That was a risky move. Uh, how is he, he, he? Yeah. 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 Huge risk. Um, huge risk, but he's a coder. He knows how to develop and all that. Yes, and he had a great reputation. So when we met um, through, we didn't meet at an event. It was a, a program, so it was like a two and a half uh, months long, okay. um, the okay. whole program. But we only worked together for literally, I think, three weeks before we pitched this idea because it was towards the end of the program. So we got together. We're like, I said, hey, this is the idea that I have. And he had a, a, a tremendously good reputation among our cohort as being a the best builder in the cohort so obviously me being so competitive and a winner i was like i want to work with that guy right um and so we, we got together and explained my idea he was like great let's let's work together for you know a couple of weeks and see how it goes and actually after a couple of days we were like you know what let's do this if we if we can pitch this idea um and you know to to this vc that was running the program and if we get um you know uh, an investment then you know let's let's go build this that's exactly what happened so we had literally worked together for three weeks we had uh, a wow. slide uh, a pitch deck we uh, had one client we kind of hustled together like an example client uh, obviously very manually <laughs> right uh, and presented the world and here's the catch we said if we get this funding it was like a small initial check we said actually the market for this is not in southeast asia it's in america so we're going to move to america when you say and, small, you can you share? Wait, can you share? Was it was the award ten thousand, twenty thousand, fifty thousand, hundred thousand? A hundred thousand. Okay, yeah. hundred thousand. Right. That was an but, investment. But, but until the pitch, you had zero. It was just you, zero. you and Molly. Zero. Zero. You had zero. You had zero. You had zero. 
We had, we had zero. <laughs> we had an idea and a pitch deck and, wow. and a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of belief. And so once we got the plan. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Hey, Malik, uh, let's go for some beers. Listen, I got this I got this idea. Okay, listen, have a couple of glasses of wine, and then I'm going to tell you about this idea. Now, listen, I don't know how to code. You're going to have to build the whole damn thing, but I got the vision, and I can't pay you anything. I have no idea if this is going anywhere, but let's go do this pitch together, and if we win, we'll, then we'll figure it out. Does it sound familiar? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, let me tell you how it happened. It happened in an elevator. We were going up to a conference room to discuss. We go into the elevator. And it, it, we get stuck. Oh, that's a sign. That's not. a sign. That's a sign. That's what we thought. That's what we thought. We're like, if we're getting out of this, if, we get, if somebody's going to come for us, we're wow. definitely building this. Um, so that's what happened. How about that? Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? All the, all the, set all the corny little things aside. I mean, I, I kind of believe things like to happen for a reason. I, I, and I'm a believer, like, there's this little signs like that in life that points you in certain directions. You know, I believe it. Believe it. Wow. Okay. That's cool. I'm glad you shared that. Okay. So you got the hundred thousand. You won. We got a hundred thousand. And two Ooh. weeks from then, we were on the plane on our way to New York. And I remember literally two weeks. I packed my bags to open the market because we knew that oh. in Singapore and Southeast Asia, what we were building wasn't going to be commercially viable because of the size of the podcasting market. And nobody was really doing podcast advertising there. Understood. So understood, but Understood. So you're flying to New York now to sell the product. Was the was the product ready for market? Was it ready for customers? Absolutely not. We still just had the the, the pitch deck, right? So we came oh, okay, here. We okay. said, "Hey, we're going to basically move to New York and start building the company here. We're gonna look for additional investors. We're going to look for you know customers. Uh, mm -hmm. The market is here. We need to be where the market is. So this is what we have to do." I packed my bags. Well, hundred thousand, a hundred thousand dollars is not going to last long, especially if you have to move no. to New York. So you had to raise cash again. like So you came to New York with the mission to raise another angel round or seed round or yes. whatever. Yes. Okay. We what did you do with the boyfriend? What did you do with the boyfriend? Well, it's a guess. Yeah. Yeah. He's still in Singapore, he, uh, but he, he's, he's, no longer, is, 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 is no longer part uh, okay. of my life. Uh, hey, so, uh, hey, jo hey, Johnny, thanks a lot for supporting me uh, <laughs> all these years while I was chasing while I was chasing this stuff. Now that I got the $100,000, I got to go see it. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. I'm sure that's not how it went down. No, but, 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 but uh, it's interesting, right? I mean, it, it, it was a time in my life where so many changes were happening. Like, for yes. real, right? Like, you go through this spot where you're like, I want this. I want to build my own startup. I've been thinking about that for a while now. I'm ready. I found a cool Here's my chance. got a check. Here and now we have to move and then at the same time things happen in your private life when you're like you know what it's probably for the best actually and okay. everything again everything does happen for a reason right but yeah. it was a very yeah. big thing to do because i literally packed two suitcases came here didn't know anybody right we didn't have to have any networks we had a very limited amount of money and yeah. no plan really beyond we're gonna make this work right <laughs> and we did not know that the pandemic <laughs> was around the corner either so that was a whole you know but, uh, but we came here and I remember on the plane, I was sitting and I was, I looked at him and I was like, I have known this guy for literally five weeks. I'm, not, I'm on the plane with this dude and I now own a company with him and we've gotten an investor in that company and now we're going to, to the other side of the ocean to that actually. Oh man, that, that is so risky. I mean, he could still be like a serial killer for all you know. I mean, he could still be like some crazy guy. Can I ask how much can you share? I don't know if you're comfortable sharing, but um, how did you guys split? 
I'm all right. So the hundred thousand, they got a piece. Can you share how much they got? And if you don't, if you aren't comfortable, that's fine. But then how much does Malik get and you get who who's the owner? Who's in control is my question. Yeah, well, well, I can share that. So 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 we we were very um uh fair in 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 a kind of our co-founder split, and so we are equal co-founders. That's what we agreed from day one, right? Because okay. his building and I'm kinda of doing the business side okay. and you know, right. there's only two of us. Right. So, so that's that's yes, we're equal. But but one of you plus the VC firm vote is in control, basically, if you look at the cap table. Is that accurate? Well, the, the we are still we together as COVID, we we've since gotten new investors on board. Uh, we still own the majority. Oh, you, 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 you are the, are, is the original the original VCs? They're out. They're already done. You no, bought them out. They're not. No, they're not out. We've just oh, added okay. other investors in I see, I see. Um, into the mix, right? As you grow and as you you know uh, look for more funding, you kind of add more people to your cap table. But we're still uh, obviously we're very early stage. We're still majority owners. So good for you. Have- good, good for you. Keep control as long as you can. But of course, each time you take cash, you'd get diluted just a little bit. Of course. Now all of a, now all it's of a, a sudden, time. you're becoming an expert on raising cash and cap tables. So you're like, okay, now this is my new job. <laughs> Correct. Correct. I mean, whether you want it or not, that's listen. There are two ways to build it, right? Like some people want to bootstrap and they want to take small steps. I've always yes. been very, very excited about taking in money and then growing fast and scaling, right? Because you know, especially in the in the in the media scene, like you have to be quick. You know, you, yes. you wait too long, and 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 the the market changes, new competitors come in, right? That's inevitably going to happen. So for us, it was important that we take in the money and we take the right support, and then we go and we you know, make some waves move quickly because you can't really patent this stuff. I mean, what you're doing is great, but somebody else is going to do it. So you're right. It's, it's, it's the speed to market philosophy, right? It's speed to market moving fast. As 100%. You can. And also, I mean, ideas worth nothing, right? Everybody's got ideas. So many people have great ideas. Execution is what actually gets you there. So when people are a little bit sometimes worried about sharing their ideas, somebody's going to steal them. I don't know but you got to steal them. And if you're great at actually executing, you're still yes. going to, you know, be the best and, and beat them. So I wouldn't be worried about that at all. Bingo, bingo. Great advice. I really want to just stop right there for the, for the aspiring entrepreneurs. Make sure you pay attention uh, to what Anna just said. Most of the time, unless you're this scientist who's created this brand new patented super secret thing, most of the time it's speed to market and then how well you execute to keep those customers before the competitors can catch you. And then if you want to raise it fast enough and then, you know, cash out and somebody buys you, great. I mean, you're absolutely right. And you don't strike me as the type of person that moves around slow too often. No, and which is why the pandemic was so hard. So hard. Oh, I bet it was, especially in New York. Yes. Yes. Um, and oh. this was literally, what, this was like maybe six months after we'd gotten here or something like six, eight months after we'd gotten here. And it was hard. And we had not raised a single cent in that oh, first gosh. eight months. Right. Oh, so we were oh, out of money. We oh, did the pandemic hit. I was quarantining. Uh, Malik went back to uh, Asia for a little bit. And we literally had to sort of pause a little bit and be like, are we still doing this? Like what the whole year almost had gone by without additional money and we were still only just getting started like it 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 didn't go quite as we had planned right and building relationships in a new place like new york did take time um but we decided to pursue and you know we kept speaking with some investors and then one of them um who's you know now our our our, you know big investor and and vc from uh, europe actually from denmark 
reached out and you know they wanted to look into the audio space we had great conversations and they offered us a, a check and we said that's wrong and so that there was had to, there had to be a few nights in new york where you're laying in bed going what the fuck i mean I, what did i do i mean i got I'm out of money. I'm in New York. The pandemic's here. I still barely know Malik. Like, holy crap. You, you, you ever you call your mom and dad, you'd be like, yeah, I might need to move home pretty soon. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. <laughs> I had that thought process, though. I was like, what am I going to do? Maybe I'm going to go. You know what I mean? Uh, and my parents had moved out of Finland by that time. They lived in Spain. I was like, maybe I'll go live in Spain. You know, what the hell? I've been to so many countries now. I don't even care where I am anymore. Uh, but I definitely oh. had that thought process. And, and, you know, it was, and one of the things that I, one of the feelings that I really felt, which is not common for me, because I'm such an extroverted person and I've been this high achiever my whole life. I felt very lonely. I was mm -hmm. like, I didn't have I a lot of yes. you know, friends obviously yes. here. And then, you know, I I wasn't sure what 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 we were even doing. Was this going to work? There was this financial. Plus, you're single. What? For... Plus, you're single. Yeah. You don't have any. You don't. You're like. Are you like in your New York apartment? You're like by yourself. I can't get out. I got no partner here. I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. I mean, parts of that. You know, being single didn't suck. I mean, before the pandemic, right? It was it was fine. But uh, but uh, but obviously <laughs> during during and during the lockdown, yeah, there were a lot of very mm. you know mm. kind mm. of not 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 great uplifting thoughts but the one thing that i think kept me really going was just that made it easier was that this was my choice right life Got didn't it. happen to me nothing mm. happened to me and i mm. was not feeling sorry for myself because i chose this and i said i chose this and in some really weird way even amongst all that i was like i'm still happier than i was in my previous life doing something that wasn't mine right so I love, uh, that. I love that. I love that for aspiring entrepreneurs. That is so true. Like even during the tough times, even during the downturns of being a startup entrepreneur, you're choosing that it's your destination, that destination that you're, you're, you're paving in front of you and you have the power to run away from it if you want to. Yeah. And it's your choice. And that is so uplifting and powerful in and of itself. I couldn't agree more. I, I think that's a very important thing to highlight is because when you're an employee and you're in a shitty situation, you're, you're, you're just, you're, you're trapped there. It's not your call. You know, other, other people are kind of telling you what needs to be done when you're the entrepreneur, you're paving the way. And there's so much, um, exhilaration in that. So I, I appreciate yeah. you saying that. I appreciate you saying that, um, do that. I know, I know I'm gosh, man, I could keep you for another hour. Cause I'm already, I'm already <laughs> I, I love the conversation. <laughs> Let's do. Yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that. Anna. yeah, the power to choose your own destiny. You know what I told somebody the other day? I said, listen, our recruiting firm, writer, writer, you know, our, you know, our day job is a recruiting firm and the podcast is, is a, is a side marketing uh, spin for us. Right. So as a recruiting firm, you know, we'll do, we'll probably do 2.3 million this year. And we got about 30 people involved in the company now. And, uh, but I'm still not paying myself anywhere near what I was making as an executive for other companies. Right. But I told somebody, I'm like, listen, man, if you called me tomorrow and said, Hey, we want you to move to Detroit and be the CEO for XYZ company. And we'll pay you a half a million dollars a year. If you'll just shut down RiderFlex, I would be like, Nope, I ain't doing it, bro. There's so much there's no, you could, there, there is no amount of money really. I mean, cause I just, the, the, the freedoms 
of being an entrepreneur is you, you can't put a number on it for me. Cause by the way, I'm a Leo too. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, I, hear that. I, I told my co-founder, I said, if I ever have to email another human being and ask them if I can go on vacation, I will shoot myself. Cause I'm never doing that. Absolutely. I'm never doing that again. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And you know, another thing, you know, people kept asking me, especially during that time, even sometimes after, but, but especially during that first kind of year before we got additional funding. Okay, so how long are you going to do this? Like until what's your plan B? And how long are you giving yourself? And I never really understood that question. I understand that there are sometimes people who need that they need to give some kind of a timeline for themselves. But I think that if you have that, you're probably never really gonna you know, make it big, right? Because because that change might be just around the corner. If you're an entrepreneur at heart, like I have learned that I am, I don't have a plan B, right? I don't have it. I, I am going to make this work. That's my only, you know, way forward. And so I didn't really understand those questions, but also I feel like mm -hmm. that was what also kept me going, right? Because when you have your back against the wall, you start being resourceful <laughs> and you start seeing things in a different way and, it is stressful, but if you're someone who takes that stress and channels that into creativity or energy or momentum or motivation or whatever, then you're good. And not everybody can do that. And I respect that people That's have right. different approaches, but, but for me, it worked exceptionally well. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. So you were at... Give us so yeah, tell me tell me about Zvuk, Anna, because I, you know, Hey, I have I have a podcast and I'm, I'm looking for sponsors too. So I could be your client. So yeah, give me the pitch. Great. So we are the marketplace for host red podcast ads. We basically help brands find the most relevant podcasts that their customers listen to and book host recommendations with just a few clicks. The same way you would go and book anything else online with just a few clicks, you can now do with host red podcast ads. And then for the podcasters, we help them be discoverable, right? So uh, there are many companies out there that could be a great fit for your podcast, right? For this particular yes. podcast, but they've never yes. heard of you necessarily. Once they right. go into our marketplace, they're able to, with a few keywords, actually find your podcast. It pops up as a great recommendation based on the content and relevancy, and they can just click a button and literally purchase host recommendations um, from you uh, about their brand. You're a matchmaker. Basically, you're a matchmaker. Correct. You, Correct. You, you, so you're connecting the you're connecting the person that wants to be on a show to the show, or you're connecting the person you're connecting the person that wants to have a ad or a sponsorship clip on the show. Well, right now it's it's ads and sponsorships. It can be uh, interviews if that's what your show is selling. So you can choose. You as a show are actually able to list whatever it is that you're selling. And we're not necessarily we're we're not um, connecting you per se. We're actually allowing the brand to just book it on the spot because just by way of you being on the platform, you basically that's what you agree to, and then you get notified. And obviously, you can still say yes or no. Um, most of them would say yes because it's a great match and uh I'll I see I see and so I'm not paying as the podcast as the podcast host of the Rider Flex show I'm not paying you you're getting paid by the person that wants to spot I see I see is there qualifications like do I have to have so many listeners do I have to have so many shows do I what's no. the qualifications to, to be on the, to be on the list there's there's not you have to have a podcast and you have to have an okay. episode that's okay. that's literally the minimum 
qualification. And that's really the problem we're solving, right? I mean, majority of uh, the advertising money right now floods into big podcasts, and they're also being paid by big spenders, right? Squarespace, Casper Mattress, and Helix, and all these guys, um, right? We've all yeah. heard them. However, there are tons of smaller companies that might have a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars. Tons, you know, $1,500, right? That want to spend it right now. Their only way to spend it easily is to go buy Facebook ads and Instagram and Google. And they'll take your money. They'll take your $200 and they'll turn that into massive profits. Yeah. We believe that that money should actually go to audio creators, podcasters, like, you know, yourself and so many others. Um, and with a lot wow. of, you know, networks, there is minimum listenership requirements. And, you know, if you have... 2,000 listeners or 1,000 listeners or even 700 listeners, they, are no, they aren't any less valuable than somebody else's 2 million listeners, right? Mm. Uh, it's just less of them. So we help brands buy more of those shows at scale, smaller shows with the click of a button. So they get the reach, but they also get the rabbits. I love the idea. It's really such a great idea because okay. a, lot, a lot of the people that do come on the podcast are startup to small, mid-sized business owners and entrepreneurs. You, you're absolutely right. And what more perfect place to pitch their product? Um, do you, does the technology set up to where, okay, so I got the show, right? So for the Rider Flex show, somebody goes on and they're like, okay, he interviews entrepreneur startups. Yeah, we want to advertise on his show. Do they send you the commercial spot and then like you send it to me or do I send you my podcast and you like put it in there? How does the how does the programming and tech part work? Yeah, so we don't do the ad insertion. The ad insertion is done by your host. So depending on who, okay. which host provider, okay. um, you can either have it baked into your episode. So it's always going to be there. It's like a baked into the file and it's always okay. forever going to be there. Or you can dynamically insert it. You can report it separately uh, as Steve and then you just insert it dynamically, which means also that you can take it out after a period of time and insert another one. And then make sure that whatever people listen to any of your episodes, even if they're older, that same ad spot is being inserted in them for a period of time, right? So you wow. can kind of keep changing the advertisers and it's a great way for you to work with more advertisers um, and, uh, and obviously make more money. Do I get paid for every single episode that their ad plays or is it a one-time so you get pay, paid based on your listenership uh, and the payments are in podcasting in general podcast advertising is using uh, CPM. So cost per mil or cost per thousand listener, right? So if you have 1000 listener, that's what you're, you know, being paid for, then you have 2000 and so on. How do you know how many listens I have? Or do I, do I give you my, okay, well, here's how many people listen on LinkedIn. Yeah, when you sign up people. to the platform, we'll ask you all this data and um, you'll verify that and then, uh, and what if that same what if that same ad is playing on a show that recorded and six months later it's getting more and more and more and more hits do i start getting paid more and more and more or no so this is the interesting part the attribution for for in podcasting works usually it's 30 days from the the, the day that the ad is aired and after that is considered to be the long tail because you can't keep you know a year after Maybe this company doesn't exist anymore. Maybe this company has changed their, you know, address, but not. So you can't really go back to demand okay. that payment. But but thirty days is usually the, uh, the attribution window. So anything within thirty days would actually be contributing okay. to the payment that you get. 
And do you prefer the, the Joe Rogan method where he's just kind of reading the spot and it goes in, or you do prefer the company to have this fancy pre-baked advertising spot that we slot in? So we only do host read ads, meaning the host always reads the ad, right? But we are big proponents. However, you can, again, you can ensure that you can pre-produce, pre-read it, insert okay. it into your episode okay. or just read. But what we really encourage people to do and companies and hosts mm. is don't read a script. Like don't go, don't, yeah, don't read I understand. word by totally. word. Be totally. authentic, right? Really yes. talk about the product or its service. It works that matches. Hey, that matches the style of my podcast. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you'd so, be a great. So, I, you'd be a great uh, advocate. Yeah, so totally get it. Okay, very good. Uh, all right, um, I, I love it. Uh, so for anybody interested, um, either people that want to do want to sponsor the product or podcast hosts like me that want to be involved, do they just go to zvuk.co and there's a contact page, fill it out? Correct. Correct. Well, you, you just literally, you can log in. If you're a brand, you can log in instantly. It doesn't cost you anything. And you can start looking for different podcasts. You can start exploring. Cool. Um, it's super easy. And same for the podcast. You just log in, claim your podcast, and it literally guides you step-by-step step what you need to put in. In 10 minutes, you've set your profile. You're good to go. Love it. And then what, what's your business model? You just take a piece, I guess. You just take a percentage. For now, yes, but we have some really interesting ideas of, of changing things around a little bit and make it even more interesting for, for the brand. I got all kinds products. of I, I, I got all kinds of ideas already. Well, well, we, well we need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea. It's so. I mean, this whole Thank time, you. you know, you know, I I have. So what I've currently been doing is I have a sponsor, the same sponsor clip on the front of every podcast that we do for a guest. And we're doing that for them because they're a marketing firm that that we we do stuff for them. They they do stuff for us, and they're a sponsor. But I have thought like, wow, what, what do we? How do we, how does this work if we want to do other sponsors? You know, how do we charge them all this and that? I'm guessing it's easy to get paid, sign up, the money transfer. I'm sure I'm sure you have all that Super figured out. Super easy. Super easy. I love and it. We're obviously I, happy to walk you through it. Anna, are you paying yourself yet? Are you making, are you, are you, how are you living? How are you eating, Anna? How are yes. you eating ramen noodles or are you, yes. do you have revenue? Not a, not, <laughs> yes. Okay. 